This week on Political Research Digest, polarized public opinion on climate change and what messages move conservatives. For the Niskanen Center, I'm Matt Grossman. Extreme weather and extreme politics may not go well together. As the planet warms and disasters threaten, public opinion on climate science and solutions is polarizing fast. A new study, Climate Change, U.S. Public Opinion, published in the Annual Review of Political Science, finds opinions divided along partisan lines, following the polarization of American politics. Today, I'll talk to one of the authors, Megan Mullen of Duke University, about the many factors affecting opinion and what might change it. But can any messages reduce conservative resistance to climate action? Another new study finds a message that might work. Today, I'll also talk to Graham Dixon of Ohio State University about a study he co-authored in scientific communication called Improving Climate Change Acceptance Among U.S. Conservatives Through Value-Based Message Targeting. It argues that highlighting potential free market solutions to climate change causes conservatives to be more accepting. President Trump recently announced a withdrawal from the Paris Climate Agreement and abandoned the Obama administration's clean power plan. Despite increasing scientific consensus on human-caused climate change, the parties are growing increasingly divided. Most researchers have found that conservative Republicans are less accepting of climate science and assume that their dismissal of the science makes them opposed to climate action. But Megan Mullen told me that this conventional wisdom has it backwards. What the literature shows is that the conventional wisdom gets the causal arrow backwards, that there isn't some sort of rational decision-making about the quality of the science that then contributes to opinions. There are opinions (laughs) that are mostly shaped by political messages and political forces and perhaps economic interests and policy preferences that then go back and shape your beliefs. Her new review, co-authored with Patrick Egan, found that rather than increasing public consensus, the last 25 years have seen increasing polarization. There, I would say there are two big punchlines in what we found. One is, over the course of that 25 years, although there is a really significant rise in public awareness about climate change, public familiarity with the phrase and the issue, there really is not very much increase in true understanding of the issue or in concern. In the aggregate, we really see stable opinion over time. But that's in the aggregate. And so the other big finding is dramatic partisan polarization on the issue. And that exists everywhere in American politics. We know that. But it is striking in the case of climate change because when this problem emerged on the public agenda, there was no difference between Democrats and Republicans in their response to this issue. And this was at a time when there was little difference, little partisan difference in, in, in attitudes about environment generally. But since that time, it has become a severely polarized issue. But they found that even Democrats who believe it's a problem don't prioritize the issue. Doesn't occupy, you know, a high level of priority on the Democratic agenda. 
activists are trying to change that, but but so far it hasn't been a very prevalent issue. Mullen suggests that means climate activists can't rise above the partisan fray. Very often the activists who um, are most engaged in this issue are trying to work outside of party mechanisms um, and, and circumvent the party when I think a good avenue would be within the party. Activists hoping for a repeat of 1970s-era public consensus on environmental policy are going to be disappointed. Climate change is not separate from larger political forces in the United States right now. It is part of this larger phenomenon of polarization and trying to win people over who are you know, currently skeptical about climate change or who are averse to the kind of traditional solutions we might have to this problem actually could potentially backlash, right? It's it's not a fruitful way to spend your time. There seems to be a belief among, you know, many in the sort of political community that we will be able to enact national climate policy through kind of a similar process as what we saw in the early 1970s to what you know, led to a lot of our major environmental legislation in the United States, right, which is a widespread sort of grassroots movement um, highlighted by a handful of sort of severe focusing events that will grab people's attention and lead to, you know, a bipartisan effort to create climate policy. I don't see anything in my read of the literature about climate change opinion and the literature about American politics right now that leads me to think that could happen. Mullen and Egan do find that warmer temperatures make people more accepting of climate change, but only temporarily. So we've shown in our research that people's experiences with warmer temperatures influence their response on survey questions, right? If, if you're asked whether you believe the evidence exists for climate change and the temperatures in your community have been warmer than normal right before the interview, you are more likely to say yes. And and the reverse, right? If it's, the temperatures have been cool, then you're less likely to say that, that you believe the evidence for climate change. Um, but that's, of course, a short-lived experience because temperatures are always changing. And so far, most Americans are actually seeing better weather from climate change. For the vast majority of Americans, the weather has actually improved. It's become closer to what we like for weather because winters have warmed substantially, but we haven't been paying the price in hotter and um, more humid summers. Is there anything that could move Republican opinion on climate action? Mullen sees some new research suggesting it might help to have the policy debate before the science debate. There's some good research suggesting that really what's been going on with Republicans is an aversion to the solutions that would be necessary to address this really large-scale global issue. And this aversion to solutions is actually, you know, feeding back into beliefs about the problem itself, right? Feeding back into denialism, well, we don't need to take on these solutions if the problem doesn't even exist. 
I spoke to Graham Dixon, co-author of a new study of this type, Swaying Climate Opinion by Recognizing Its Ideological Roots. So you really have to address the core values that impact their skepticism in climate change, which would be uh, free market uh, beliefs. So uh, you have to really go back to, you know, what are the main causes um, of conservative skepticism in climate change? Dixon told me the traditional message, emphasizing scientific consensus, does not work. Communicating a scientific consensus around climate change didn't really seem to matter all that much in improving uh, conservatives' beliefs about climate change. That's a, a common tactic that's been used uh, in recent years to try to improve uh, climate skeptics' awareness as well as their beliefs about climate change. Instead, it's better to address the policy threats directly. So if you frame a message around the uh, free market solutions to climate change, we found that that possibly uh, can improve conservatives' uh, beliefs about climate change. The new study used survey experiments to test the most convincing arguments. So we ended up doing a survey experiment, you know, had different messages um, that varied in you know, what was being emphasized, whether it was a certain value, uh, like free market values or religious values, or whether it discussed the scientific consensus of climate change. A religious message didn't help. You know, climate change isn't seen as a uh, threat to religious values, at least with the policies, the outcomes of, of the science of climate change. The threats are all based on you know, free market uh, sort of enterprise, that there will be greater government control through regulations, or maybe the government will have certain incentives that favor certain technologies over others. And it's not lack of scientific knowledge that matters most. You know, I think we've seen through a, a lot of research that people's skepticism in scientific issues, particularly those that are highly politicized, um, are, are not a product of one's uh, lack of scientific knowledge. It's uh, due to something you know, deeper than that. It's, it's about some of values. In the case of climate change, it's representing some of the political values. We've been trying to debate the science of the problem first, but we need to get to the policy. Conservative skepticism of climate change is largely a product of perceived threats that, that the policies surrounding climate change pose to conservative values. Rather than um, the actual science itself, I think the debate has certainly centered around the science, which I think is kind of the easier debate to have. You know, you can uh, debate on uh, whether the science is true, or you can debate on the substantive policy issues. And, you know, unfortunately, we're focusing more, uh, at least in the uh, political sphere, on the debate of the science rather than the policy. But there's a problem. Messages that help with conservatives might hurt with liberals. Dixon didn't find any message that worked better for everyone. But that certainly points to uh, potential backfiring effects for issues that are consonant to uh, liberals like climate change, that if you frame it in a way that highlights values that are dissonant to them, even though the topic is rather consonant, um, maybe it will backfire to them. So that's something to look out for in, in future research. Mullen also saw a polarized future. There is no sign now that things are changing. We, uh, we are seeing um, in the aggregate in 2016 and 2017, we actually are seeing 
pretty substantial increases in concern about the environment generally and climate change in particular. But that movement's coming all from Democrats. And so we're not seeing any change in the larger pattern of polarization. Given the bleak outlook, what can political professionals learn from this research? Dixon told me they should skip right to the key barriers and address them. Really the best approach to communicating science to skeptical audiences, particularly issues that are highly polarized and, and politicized, it's best not to just give people numbers and to educate them because people's Skepticism is largely not due to their lack of an understanding uh, on the topic. Um, it's usually due to their uh, their values. In the case of climate change, it's due to uh, these you know, political values, these perceived threats to the free market. Um, and I, I think that the most important thing is instead of using persuasion, is to consider engagement. Um, and to think about the core values that impact people's skepticism behind scientific issues and think about ways of, of, of understanding why people become skeptical on these issues. Mullen suggested two routes to influence. If you want to sway the public, she says start with policies that hide the costs. Taking on policies where the costs are not as readily transparent voters, where it's a model like a subsidy, where, of course, we're all paying for it eventually, but, but those payments aren't so clear. Those are more politically popular solutions. But activists could also give up on the public messaging and just target elites directly. There's an assumption in a lot of the literature about climate change opinion that public opinion needs to be the driving force for policy change. And I don't know that that's true. There's a lot that remains to be learned. Mullen's interest is in people's willingness to adapt to climate change, even if they dismiss it. What we're trying to do is, you know, reduce greenhouse gas emissions. The, the motivation for that, from a policy argument point of view, means that you have to talk about climate change. But if you're talking about adaptation, if you're talking about becoming more resilient to the effects of climate change, you don't even really need to talk about climate change, right? You can talk about um, becoming more resilient to hurricanes and to sea level rise and to periods of drought. And, and there's growing evidence that some good adaptation activity is underway. In communities that you wouldn't necessarily expect to see it based on the patterns of polarization. And Dixon says we should learn from the conservatives who have accepted climate science. see that uh, in a number of uh, public opinion polls, um, the majority of self-described uh, conservatives in the U.S. Um, are skeptical of climate change in some capacity, whether you know, they don't believe that it's happening at all or... They don't believe that uh, human activity is contributing to it. But despite that, there are about 29% of conservatives, at least from a, uh, a recent Pew Research poll, that uh, do believe in anthropogenic climate change. And I'm curious as to why, you know, these individuals uh, uh, believe that and, and whether there is a certain interaction they've had 
factors that play a role in, in, in that, uh, in the belief that could inform on uh, future messaging strategies. To learn more, you can read the full articles and more information at niskanencenter.org. I hope you enjoyed the new podcast. Thanks to Megan Mullen and Graham Dixon for joining me. Political Research Digest is available bi-weekly from the Niskanen Center. Join us next time to find out how intraparty organizations in Congress, like the House Freedom Caucus, rise to power.